Kakovny but Pakaru. <laughs> so funny. The captain seems to think you're some sort of cowboy. New Paroski. Nimnoga. Paryazna znat stodum yet prativnik. Be pravdali. It is. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. We're in Spy Town. We're Spy Guys. What is this, week five? I believe it's week five or week six. Five or six. It's no There's way no of possible way of knowing. <laughs> it's impossible. But our penultimate episode of, of the penultimate. series. Penultimate. I don't get to say that very often. And- uh Every but time once it's worth it. Per miniseries, yeah. Uh, and, you know, to close us out of this wonderful miniseries, we have probably the most perfectly suited guest you could possibly find in the world. Uh, we're talking about David Callan. It's comically suited. Comically suited. He's comically suited. He's comically suited because he is a comedian, he is a podcaster, yeah. he is a teacher, he's a voice artist, an improviser. He's lit up our Aussie TV screens in, in sitcoms like At Home with Julia. Uh, as well as showing up in Rake. Uh, but most importantly, he's a former spy and a current guy. Mm. So who better to close out our final two episodes of our Spy Guys series than David Callan? Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Welcome, Dave. Thank you, gentlemen. I, that's the best intro I've ever had, <laughs> ever. I don't deserve it. We can give you a copy of it. I had to do some sleuthing you know, to, to get some, some, some backstory there. Thank you for taking the time to Google my name <laughs> and then getting rid of Dave Callan, the Irish comedian, and going... Well, that is the biggest obstacle, the yeah. yeah. <laughs> but in full disclosure... Happens all the time. Full disclosure, you're not actually our first spy guest. We have had, <laughs> we have had former CIA agent Frank Dukes. Alleged. <laughs> I don't know if you know much about Frank Dukes, but... Uh, I don't know Frank Dukes, but I do know Mark Polymeropoulos. Oh, okay. Who's another former CIA guy that pops up all the time. We had him on, on I Spied on our podcast. And, uh, yeah, ex-CIA guys, look, any ex-spy, they love to talk. Oh, yeah. That's the thing the that's irony. really funny about spies. Well, this, I mean, yeah. the thing with this Frank Dukes is he is probably lying. Um, he's heavily alleged. We, we could actually spend a whole episode talking about Frank Dukes with you at some point. But, basically, he is the guy that the movie yeah. Bloodsport is based on. And he has many stories. So not only did okay. he win this um, mysterious fight tournament that nobody seems to be able to prove existed, he also says he had these CIA years, which the CIA denies. You know, he's, he's worked with Steven Seagal to rescue orphans from pirates, um, all kinds of things. So, <laughs> Hang on, was that a movie or was that an actual thing he did? That's the whole thing. Uh, it's a, oh, that's awesome. His stories, this is the whole thing too. Like he's got great stories. And actually, so we recently did Bloodsport again for our 200th episode and we interviewed the writer of the film who met Frank Dukes and Frank Dukes told him this story and he's like, oh, that should be a movie. And then he told him more and more stories and he's like, this this can't be true. But, Mm. and and they're probably not. But Big Fish, Big Fish, is that a movie? Yeah, yeah, it's a bit like Big Fish. But the the guy we spoke to, Sheldon Ledditch, who wrote Bloodsport was like, you know, this guy could have been a Tom Clancy, funnily enough. Like he's got all these stories. Mm he should just write them as fiction because they're actually really yeah. good stories, but he Doesn't really he is him? committed to saying that they're true. 
<laughs> anyway. Also, he's probably just bloody lazy and doesn't want to sit down and write it all out. That's also what Sheldon that's, managed to say. Well, <laughs> it's a damn sight easier said. just to talk. Yeah, 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 exactly. So it sounds like you know the type. I am the type. <laughs> <laughs> Those who can't Except write you spied. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, podcast and improvise. That's basically it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so we, we, uh, we haven't had a guest in a while, so we're a little uh, – all over the place. Out of touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Guess rusty. I've noticed, look, Guess it's looking rusty. really a bit shady in here, guys. There's towels lying around, empty <laughs> food containers. What the hell? I mean, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I would have tied it up, but, you know. Um, no, uh, we have uh, a little thing we do with guests called Rapid Fire Questions because, you know, yep. we uh, our friends of the show out there listening right now, we use this as a, as a nice way to give them a sense of who is David Callan? Mm. Little this or that. Um, scenario. Not a problem. I'm happy to go for it. Yeah, it's it's very user friendly. Um, there's nothing here. To <laughs> there's no wrong up. answers. Yeah, that's true. Uh, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump into it. I'm gonna rapid fire some questions. I think how many have I got here? About six, between six and eight. Hit me. Uh, okay. Question the first: Indiana Jones or Han Solo? Damn, that's a really tough question. I'm gonna go with Indy. Uh, I do like the swashbuckling buckling devil may careness of Han. You gotta like that. And he gets the mm. girls. But Indy's he's more of an intellectual adventurer. Mm. I mean, there's there's an intellect behind that that I like. And I'm a big fan of history and archaeology and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Indy. Strong that, answer. That is a strong That is the right answer. I know we <laughs> said there's the- not a right or wrong, but that was right. We say that to create a safe space, but uh yeah, that's yeah. the right answer. Jack Ryan or Jason Bourne? Ooh. Oh, that's a good question, particularly because Jack Ryan has been played by so many people. Um, In particular, the latest iteration of Jack Ryan, which I don't like as much as I liked the Mm. older iteration of Jack uh, Jack Ryan. Mm. Jack Ryan, the CIA analyst, as opposed to Jack Ryan, the CIA field officer. Yeah. um, Where Jason Bourne just kicks ass. Uh, We (laughs) love that. Um, but again, I'm going to go with Jack, but I'm going to be going with the um, Alec Baldwin and Harrison Ford, Jack Ryan, as opposed to the new guy. Yeah. Um, I can't remember his name. John Krasinski. I met him. Oh, yeah. uh, I went to the screening of the first two episodes of season three, sitting next to a naval intelligence mate of mine. And uh, every time a helicopter landed on a plane, a, a boat, I turned around to my mate and went, have you done that? And he went, yeah. And I went, have you, someone shot a gun? Have you done that? Yeah. And then it got to the point where they, they're skating along the Black Sea in a, a duck, you know, a rubber ducky, having att- attacked a boat. And, you know, they then landed on the coast of Greece. And I turned around and I went, have you done that? And went, yeah, of course. I went, what? So you've left the Black Sea and in under 12 hours made it to the coast of Greece, <laughs> going through the Straits of Bosphorus and Istanbul. And that's when we went, shut up and enjoy the film. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Jack Ryan. <laughs> Excellent. I inadvertently had put um, Harrison Ford in three out of the four first people options. Um, but that's the unconscious end of bias. Yeah, uh, that's understandable. Bruce Lee or Jackie Chan? <sighs> Got to go with Bruce. I mean, I like Jackie and I like the comedy. And I also like the commitment to falling off a lamppost and breaking every bone <laughs> in your body and then using <laughs> that <laughs> shot in the film. Yeah. That's cool. But. Um, yeah. Yeah, Bruce was he was ahead of his time. He was the guy that opened the door to Hong Kong cinema, I think, in the United States. When he went and did the Green Hornet and all those sort of things, he just opened that door and suddenly we had Hong Kong wires popping into our movies, which I think was great. So I'm gonna go with Jackie on that one. Oh, not Jackie, with Bruce. Excellent. Nice. Uh Pamela Anderson or Sally Field. 
Sally Field. Oh, we got this Sally Field. It's happened. You changed my life, truly. And I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like me. Greg is a Sally Fieldman also. I'm a Sally Fieldman. Uh, it's a bit of a running gag in this show. Um, Everyone goes friends for of the show. Yeah. 100%. And I said to Tristan, do you know what? I feel like Dave might be our first Sally Fieldman. I don't I'm know. a Sally Field guy. Yeah, well, nice. I love a brunette. I love a brunette. I'm not that into breasts. I'm more of a sort of flying <laughs> buttocks man myself. Um, okay. And also, <laughs> uh, have you ever seen Sybil? The movie Sybil. No. With Sally Field. I have not. Where she plays a girl with multiple personalities. Oh. And it's staggeringly good. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. And also, Got come my on. day sorted tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Flying Nun. That's what that, I always think of. Yeah. <laughs> that's where it's at. If you look at the profile of her wimple in The Flying Nun, it does look slightly like a stealth bomber. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, I think that's well, the first time wimple has been said on this pod. We are thinking about doing a Sally Field miniseries uh, called Playing the Field. Nice. <laughs> yeah, right. Mainly because of the name. And now the great thing about me saying that I like Sally Fields is she can now get on your podcast and go, you like me. You really <laughs> like me. <laughs> Very Greatest good. Greatest Oscar speech ever. Ever. <laughs> uh, I don't know where to go from there. Okay, here we go. 2050 nuclear subs or 2050 sea drones? Year 2050 nuclear subs oh, yeah, or yeah, year yeah. 2050 sea drones? Uh, you've, left, you've left one answer out there. Yeah. C, all of the above. Because if we really wanted to do, if we we're going to be tactical and strategic and smart about this, we'd have both. There you go. We'd have the the subs as the platform, like the operating platforms, where your guys are going to be underwater and actually operating the gear. Because mm. as much as we operate drones in the sky remotely with water, I think you're going to have to be a lot closer to get clean signal and clean action. But also, man, they're a lot cheaper than a nuclear submarine. They really, they seriously are a lot cheaper. And we could get a lot more of them. Nice. Yeah. There you go. Huh. Uh, hopefully, now if you don't understand what we're talking about, there is some good deep dives in, excuse the pun, into um, <laughs> submarines <laughs> in Dave's show, I Spied, which we'll talk about through uh, throughout the next couple of episodes. Great podcast. Great podcast. If I can just say. Thank you. I was just listening to the Gadgets episode because, you know, I needed to educate myself. We're talking about spies over Perfect. here and I... You know, um, I'm sure we'll talk about some of that later on. But, um, yeah, love it. Great podcast. Great podcast. Thank Definitely you. have a listen, friends of the show. All right, a couple more. Uh, ribs or brisket? Brisket. <laughs> That's a new one. I like <laughs> That's a new one. <laughs> brisket. I've already – because, like, <laughs> my family really like ribs. I hate ribs because they're messy. I'm, yes. I'm, Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm not a messy eater. I, I like to keep it neat and tidy. And with a brisket, <laughs> you can do that. I agree. And also – my family gave me a smoker for Christmas and I'd like to thank everyone for their help in giving me a brisket recipe that actually worked. Yeah, I cooked it nice. over the Easter weekend and, yeah, why? Yeah, brisket. It's just easier. Like, not as easy to cook, but Beautiful. a damn sight easier to eat. And you're in Sydney, right? Yep. Do you, you head over to Vic's Meats for your barbecue supplies? Oh, I just went place? to the local butcher for the first one. Oh, nice, yeah. I'll be going to somewhere like Vic's Meats. or Vic. There's, someone said there's a really good one in Alexandria that does, like, Good four kilo briskets. Oh, maybe the Emporium, the Meat Emporium. 
The meat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is, I'd like a down, meat down hat and a meat, meat jacket, please. <laughs> yeah. Bespoke tailored. They give you a they give you a, a coat to put on, in, and it's a one giant cool room. And you walk in, and oh, I've been there. Yeah. Oh, that'd be fantastic fun. It's the meat emporium. Check it out. I think that might be what they're talking about. It could be. It definitely. It sounds like yeah, the sort of thing. It could be. Final one. Yeah. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation or Die Hard? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to go with Die Hard uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, National Lampoon has featured very heavily in my life. It was very influential with my um, growing up and my comedy because we had an album, my parents bought it, funnily enough, called National Lampoon's That's Not Funny, That's Sick. And the cover is a cartoon of a French restaurant with the sign on the wall saying, try our frog's legs. And there's a frog dragging himself out of the kitchen on a dolly (laughs) with no legs. And that just really appealed to me. rings a bell. And all of side two of the album, we're talking, you know, vinyl album, was Bill Murray. Right. So like Bill Murray doing his own radio show and it's just terrible. It's brilliant. But um yeah, Die Hard. For a Christmas movie, it's Die Hard. It's, in fact, we watch it as we decorate the, cr- the tree at home. Yeah. And I'm making a little yeah. Die Hard decoration for my wife. I haven't told her yet. Um, but it's <laughs> basically you get a little silver a box. You line it with, um, with tinfoil and then you put a photo of John McClane crawling through a duct and then you hang <laughs> it and it looks like you've got John McClane on your tree. The TV That's dinner. Perfect. And also, I mean, you know, Hans Gruber, what a great villain. Brilliant villain to the Probably end. He the best. wanted to kill him. Yeah, and strangely enough, John McTiernan directed that film yeah. and The Hunt for Red October. Oh, exactly. Yeah. What a segue! What a segue! Yeah. Thank you for <laughs> rapid fire answers. They were oh, quite long. Astute. Yeah, no, yeah. Oh, that, rapid fire. That's is the a, irony of the yeah, rapid is, fire question. Yeah, correct thing. It always goes longer. But that was probably the most succinct I think we've had. Yeah. Oh, thank so you very much. You came ready, you know. You didn't know, you didn't know these questions prior, but you're a man who knows what he wants. I, I make shit that. up as I go along. It's <laughs> just in my nature. Beautiful. Um, okay. We need to talk about movies, don't we? Yeah. So a movie. This film came out in uh, 1990, a big year for movies. Uh, in the top ten that year globally were films like Ghost, Home Alone, mm. both of which we've covered on this pod, Total Recall. Never seen Home Alone. Really? really? Oh, Never watched it. Yeah. That's like Die Hard a, for Kids, basically. I have an allergic <laughs> reaction to Macaulay Culkin. Oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah, I just break out in hives. It's just, it just <laughs> a bad thing. It's a bad look. How about Kieran Culkin? Are you watching Succession? No, actually, I, I'm... One of the things I do when... Thank God for streaming. I, there's a lot of TV that I never watched because... You used to have to set your watch for it. You have to yeah. go and watch it at the same time each week. And I never could do that because I was always out doing things, particularly mm. even when I, like, I joined ASIO so I could do theatre at night. Call me crazy, but I joined ASIO huh. to become an actor. <laughs> and funnily enough, it worked. Uh, but what? what happened was because I was doing shows and stuff, I could never follow series. Yeah. So I'd have to wait until the video came out, and that was a drag because I'd always think at late feast because I'd never watch it and blah, blah, blah. So with Home Alone, like even with movies, I missed so many movies back in the 90s because I was always on stage. That's so interesting. Wait, so you, you joined ASIO yep. to yeah. facilitate your comedy My comedy path. and acting career. Th- which yeah, is a, cla- wow. a classic path. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, look, you know, NIDA. <laughs> ASIO, they're about yeah. as difficult to get into. It's just yeah. with ASIO, you don't need a prepared Shakespearean piece. Right? That's the bottom line. <laughs> that is pretty wild. That is wild. 
That's yep. so wild. I mean, yep. you can probably tell we have many questions for you that yeah. we're t- kind of biting our tongue on because we need to get into the meat of the episode. But man, so many questions. Just on that, at the yeah, at the time, Dave, at the time, were you, did you realise like how unusual that approach was? You know, were you just like, oh, that makes, no. you know, did this make sense? No, I just needed a job with flex time and ACO oh. were recruiting and I, it took nine months of recruiting for me to get through. Right, that's all positive vetting, psychological testing, um, multiple interviews, all of that sort of stuff. I went through all of that, got in there, and then it was like, so what am I doing? And it was like, <laughs> you are working in one of the most secret places in the country. And I just went, cool, can I knock off at 451 because I've got rehearsals to get to? <laughs> Away we went. Oh, I had amazing. no idea what I was getting into when I joined ASIO. No idea at all. That's amazing. And I don't think ASIO had any idea what they were getting into with me either. So it, it was kind of a match made in heaven. That's so good. Are they like complementary skill sets or like muscle groups? Like if you spend all day at ASIO, does that use a different part of your brain to then what you use for the other stuff? Or are you just burning the candle at both ends basically? I could I could compartmentalise my thinking. Like, And interestingly enough, when it came to the, the cover story, and the cover story was I worked, for, I worked for the government, I'm a public servant, and in Canberra that means nothing. As right. soon as you say public servant, most people go, yeah, whatever, couldn't care less. Um, if people pressed you, you had to tell them that you worked for Attorney General's D branch. But I used to just tell people I worked for ASIO because no one would believe me. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't until I was doing a stage production of Amadeus and the guy playing Salieri was a British diplomat and lovely bloke. And he said, where do you work? And I went, I work for ASIO. And he went, ha, ha, ha. And I went, ha, ha, ha. And that was it. Until across my desk came the list of declared UK intelligence officers and his name was at the top of it. That's fascinating. He was was a British spy. That's that's a movie idea right there. This is a movie, yeah. 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 That's great because actually – there's a few spy movies like that. Like, have you seen uh, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind? Is that again? That's that. That's, that's ringing the, a bell, but I don't. I can't remember it. It's that Sam Rockwell. I think it's directed by um, yeah, um, yeah, George yeah, Clooney. Yeah. He's like a game show host and then becomes a spy as real? well. No one really knows if it's true. Yeah. yeah, it's based on a true story, but no one really knows if it's true. I guess. Yeah. Now I'm trying to remember because it was one of the things that we looked at and it, we were looking at as an episode, but never got onto. I must get back onto that. Is that idea? Uh, there, I mean, celebrities have always appeared in spy as done work as spies. John Wayne desperately wanted to work as a spy, but they wouldn't let. Um, the actually the OSS or the um, OSS, yeah, the OSS, which was the precursor to the CIA in World War Two, wanted him to spy on General MacArthur. They were going to put him in uniform and put him in General MacArthur's HQ in Australia to spy on MacArthur to see what he was getting up to because MacArthur was notoriously – he kept all of his cards very close to his chest. Yeah. Um, What is it? Oh, God, the – there was a black jazz singer, a female jazz singer, who used to smuggle code, like intelligence, out of France on her sheet music and in her underwear. Who was it? Who was it? I can't remember. Ella, not Ella Fitzgerald, another one, but she was huge. Yeah. I probably got it in my notes somewhere. That rings a bell, yeah. Um, Noel Coward was a, an intelligence officer for the British. He was basically, he exchanged information for the British every time he went to from England to the US. He was exchanging material and he said, it was brilliant. His big thing was, I thought I was the perfect spy because everyone just thought I was a, a silly little idiot. That's and that so was, funny, yeah. yeah. And that's my entire spy career. Because <laughs> I guess on the one hand, being a good spy is being able to blend in. But I guess on the other hand, if you're so 
specifically known for something else, then no one would suspect you as a spy. Yeah. And you've got a good reason to be there. Because yeah. actually that's also the whole Access premise of that, as well. that Nick Yeah. The Nick Cage yep. movie Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, that's basically the premise of that too. He Oh yeah, he yeah. Kind yeah. of yeah. And the and the, you know, our Lord and Saviour Jean Claude Van Damme, his T V show that didn't last very long on uh Amazon, Jean Claude Van Johnson. It's great. I, you should watch that as a spy guy. It's it's Jean Claude Van Damme playing himself, and it's basically the premise is this whole time he's been a spy. So he goes and makes these movies, but really he's there for spy business. It's he's great. a fool. It's he should have just made it a podcast. It's a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot easier. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, oh, speaking of spies, nineteen ninety one. Uh, sorry, nineteen ninety was also the year of Total Recall. Spy, secret agent-ish, I guess. Yeah, no. yeah. Only no, in the fact that segment. he's living the fantasy of being a secret agent. Yeah. Right? Or is he? Remember, yeah. that was the whole thing. When he went to um, Total, was it called Total Recall or Recall? Yeah, or re- maybe just Recall, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Recall. That is my favourite film of all time, by the way. What else is that year? Kindergarten Cop, which we've covered. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which we've covered. But there was a film that came in at number 11 that year, a little film about a little submarine uh, called The Hunt for Red October. Okay, so... The Hunt for Red October came out in March of 1990 with a budget of $30 million and a gross box office of $200 million. Like I said, it came in at number 11 for the year, which is kind of crazy. Like these days, films like that, well, A, they don't really exist in terms of a big box office launch. Like, yeah, they don't make them. And if they do make them, they'll make a TV series and Jack Ryan now has to be jacked. Um, yeah. That's the whole jacking. thing too. Like no one can be not jacked now. Well, you um, can't. In films. How are you meant to do any of this stuff without an eight pack? Like, it's <laughs> true. Yeah, you never see these guys. You know, like intermittent fasting or drinking protein shakes. They're just jacked. They're never at the gym, but their characters are always jacked. Well, they do all their exercise. It's all cardio based and and yeah. isometrics <laughs> on the job. I mean, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, yeah. Climbing a ship yeah. carrying uh, an MP five, it's going to build you a bit. It's true. That's a good point. It's, it's going to get you tired. <laughs> On the uh, in terms of Rotten Tomatoes scores, critic score of 88%, audience score of 88%. We don't see that very often. Audiences and critics alike, uh, very aligned. Uh, critic consensus as follows, perfectly cast and packed with suspense. The Hunt for Red October is an old-fashioned submarine thriller with plenty of firepower to spare. I love that quote. Submarine, th- an old-fashioned an submarine o- thriller. <laughs> <laughs> is this a genre I wasn't aware of? Uh, yeah. Das Boot. Yeah, oh, I guess so. Maybe it is. There you go. They're the two submarine thrillers that exist: <laughs> Dust Boot and Hunt for Red October. Pre this, and then we had a few after, right? We had um, Crimson Tide and U five seven one. Yeah, Down Periscope. <laughs> uh, there was the one that had oh god, what's his name? The guy who did um, did the three hundred. It was the Spart, the lead Spartan. Uh, yeah, oh, Gerard Butler. Butler, yeah. Yeah, where he plays the captain of a nuclear submarine under the Arctic ice cap doing Ooh, with, stuff. A, with an eight pack. Yeah. Because sub captains <laughs> really need to have abs. You all do because what you don't realise is on subs, you're all hunched over. 
Because yeah, well, right. also you you get the you get the total oblique workout working the periscope, <laughs> but also because everything's very tight and narrow, you sort of got to hunch over a lot. You know, oh, you like, jack your stomach. It's all up. about core gonna, strength. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah. that's interesting. Do the sub do the submarine folk ever like recruit ex jockeys or anything? Because you know it's more of a luxury space if you're a small human. The captain of the last, uh, uh, not the last, the Oberon submarine that's now on display at the Maritime Museum in Sydney. The last captain on that boat was six foot three. And I'm six foot three and I've been in there and I'm just like, how long was he on this boat for? And they said, yeah, minimum of three months to six months. It's like it must have driven nuts. Yeah, I can't even last on a flight very long. No, I'm I'm shorter than, I'm six two. But yeah, man, that's rough. Shrimp. (laughs) Which is the interesting thing about uh, the hunt for Red October because that bridge on uh, the Red October, it, it's a big bridge for right. a submarine. There's mm. a lot of room in there, a lot of headroom. Yeah. And a lot of chrome, and I don't get the chrome. <laughs> Is that like a Star Trek influence perhaps? I think it, oh, I, I do think yeah. it probably was that idea of, well, if we make it look like a normal submarine like the one that Stellan Skarsgård is the captain of, the um, mm. Akula-class submarine, the the kind, the slight villain they needed to put in, the protagonist, he, um, that sub has that really cluttered and yeah. claustrophobic feel where the the Red October is just this beautifully big sort of limousine of, of death. <laughs> So is the is Skarsgård's um, is that a bit more typical? Yeah, that would yeah that they've shot it very tight. If you look at it, it's all very medium and close up shots, and there's lots of bodies in the background, and it's always up against a bulkhead or a pipe or something like that. Whereas on the Red October, it's bigger because it's a boomer. Mm. It's one of the biggest subs, right? And then you've got the uh, Los Angeles class, the Dallas, and the yep. thing about the Dallas is they've kind of played in between. So they've made it look kind of cluttered, but not that cluttered. It's very clean. It's not dark. And the other, like, but the bit where uh, Mancuso, the captain, has to go from the conning tower down to the dive deck to meet Jack Ryan, that lovely bit where he goes, you know, um, down down ladder, make a hole, and he goes down the ladder, and it's narrower than his shoulders. And it's like, yeah, that's what a submarine should feel like. It's tight. It's a really tight place to be in. Yeah, wow. All right, we'll get into more detail on the rewatch shortly. But before we do, for for you guys, was this a big movie for you in the past? Does this hold a special place in your heart? Tom Clancy in general, is that is he a big deal for you, David? Not a big deal. When you yeah. join ASIO, they give you La Carre to read. They okay. give you a couple of La Carre's and go, just read this. You, you get and your Frank head around Dukes. it. Frank Dukes' and in book, yeah. In fact, <laughs> at the moment, a really good series on TV is called Slow Horses uh, with – Gary Oldman. Oh, I keep hearing that's good. And yeah. it is about as close to what life was like in ASIO when you throw the idea that everyone gets a gun, which you don't at ASIO. No one gets a gun. Oh. Who would uh, give you a gun? Boo. I, was, I, I touched a gun okay. when I did an exercise and I got hit in the head with it. Um, oh. But other than that, yeah, I got pistol whipped by Pissed the SAS it. because I was, I was mouthing off at them. Oh. But um, <laughs> for me – like Hunt for Red October was a big one because everyone at ASIO watched it. Yeah, okay. Like yeah, once right. somebody went, you've got to go and see this, it's great. And, yeah, we were all talking about it over the water cooler or, as we like to call it, the photocopier because that's where everyone met. Which <laughs> <laughs> was the style of the time. <laughs> yeah. Yes. What are you photocopying? More secrets to take to my friends in the theatre. Um, <laughs> more scripts, 
More Amadeus scripts. Well, actually, that was what I used to call an instant art grant. Every time I needed to photocopy a script, I'd take yeah. it to work yeah. and zip it away. That's a Thank you, Australian government, yeah. for sponsoring oh, yeah. the arts. <laughs> oh, yeah, we do that. Our workplaces definitely are soft sponsors of our podcast in some ways. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, no, it was a, I remember it very distinctly because, again, it was a movie I saw at the movies. I don't do that very much anymore, but mm. back in the day, yeah, getting to the movies was a big one and it was a great one to see. I think I saw it three times at the cinema. Yeah, wow. Oh, wow. I think it is definitely a rewatch. Well, we'll get into that. I think I need to rewatch it for various reasons, but we'll get into that. <laughs> uh, what about you, Greg? Um, it was supposed to be. So I was, I'm an 82 baby. So I imagine, it came out in 90, probably came to Australia in 91. I imagine you were always a bit slower back in the day a bit behind. To, to get yep. the releases. Mm. I I was so excited for this because really? it looked like a war movie and it yeah. had. Uh, it had Sean Connery and I was a massive Sean Connery fan. And then I watched it and I was like, huh, I was nine. I had no <laughs> idea what was going on and more on that later. But <laughs> like, I I was just like, this is not a kid's movie by... No. Yeah. I, I, yeah, it wasn't what I expected. <laughs> it was way too cerebral no. then and, and now. Um, and... Um, <laughs> And I watched it and I was like, oh, Sally well. Fields will, every time you say it's too cerebral, Sally Fields cries another tear. <laughs> I won't say it again. What about you, Tristan? I, I never saw this until this week. And I, 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 in terms of Jack Ryan more broadly, I don't think I've seen any of the other ones what? either. I, I watched a few episodes of the TV show. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not anti or anything. I just never, never really got around to it. I feel like it's maybe you, you mentioned this too, Greg. I feel like it's a it's a bit of like for our age, like in the nineties and stuff. It's a, I think it's the kind of movie that your dad might throw on. Oh, but yeah. I didn't live with my dad, so I didn't have that angle. But um, yeah, so I didn't get that kind of that secondhand viewing or anything like that. But I don't know. It's piqued my interest now for sure. Yeah, you, you would like the other ones, the the two Patrick Harrison Games. Ford ones, Patriot Games and. Um, mm. Clear and present danger. Clear and present danger. I love those. Got the oh, got yeah. some got some IRA action. Uh, oh, man, they're good. A bit more action. It's than so this interesting one. as a franchise too, right? Because to your point, David, like it's different actors playing him all the time. Like I'm too young to remember, but I wonder. I, I'm curious as to like what extent these were marketed as a franchise or whether it was just, oh, it happens to be also Jack Ryan, but people don't really care. I don't think it was marketed as a franchise until Harrison Ford stepped into the role. Correct. Right. Yeah. But he only ever did right. two. And again, yeah. sort of back in the 90s, the through the 90s, franchises didn't really start. I mean, Star Wars, even though it was a franchise, it wasn't, we didn't call it a franchise. Yeah. Whereas it was a Marvel trilogy, but yeah. is- such a franchise. Yeah. Um, you know, there are all of these movie franchises out now. I mean, John Wick, which I've just watched. Um, Very accurate, I assume. Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. That was that was the <laughs> that was my nightlife when I wasn't doing theatre. I was just out <laughs> killing people. There were yeah. so yeah. many assassins out there. Yeah. <laughs> With the hotel, the hotel's real, right? The assassin hotel. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Cool. When you said you didn't have a gun, you meant you had two guns. That's what <laughs> exactly. You meant. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> rubber band guns. I had a ping pong ball gun in the office. I shot my boss with it. Not a good look. Um, but uh, so I, the thing about Clancy is it's still very rooted in reality and that's yeah. what makes it very appealing and that's what makes it a great dad movie. 
Yeah. In that you can watch it. And the thing is, having watched it back in the 90s when it first came out and then watching it again recently, um, it really was that thing where you went, oh, hang on, there's a lot more to this than I realised. It's a lot – it's a very yeah. deep and very cleverly written film. It's rich. It is rich. Mm. Um, and actually, it's a good point. You mentioned um, you know, the Marvels and DCs of today. Back in the 90s, it kind of was – it, it, like instead of having those big franchises, you kind of had the Hollywood – where they were hunting IP was like Tom Clancy and Stephen King. Yeah. And, and like the 90s is kind of just those guys <laughs> yeah. at the cinema basically, which is kind of cool. Uh, but in terms of Tom Clancy for me, I guess my closest experience is more in video games because I don't oh. even totally understand how that works, but there's a bunch of Tom Clancy video games. Rainbow Siege 6, is it? Yeah, that one. The one I played, uh, Splinter Cell, back when I was in high school, that was a big yeah. one. He's, he's so multimedia. He is. There's a hunt, there was a Hunt for Red October game released in 1987 based on the book. Oh my god, that would have been terrible. Yeah, I think I might have. I think I might have played that. It got good that reviews. Just, that just it was like a chamber. submarine. Uh, what do they call it? Simulator. Was and it sixty-four bit and went? I think 32, so. It was pretty. Much, yeah. <laughs> and then they they released it again in uh, nineteen ninety. I guess off the back of the film for for mm. consoles and stuff. But yeah, yeah, I was I was never. A big Jack Ryan person, um, but you know, especially more recently, I'm a, I'm a spy guy now through and through. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this was the first this was the first rewatch for me. Okay, so shall I get into the origin story behind this film? Please do, absolutely. Origin story. That's our friend Octavio. He has a deep voice, so we got him to record that for us. <laughs> Thanks, Octavio. Thanks, Octavio. <laughs> I think he that's gets what, a kick out of that too because we, like we always to explain it every time we have a guest. <laughs> Great work, Octavio. Uh, I like it. <laughs> he's like, don't you try and take my job, He's what he's saying. Right I don't want your job. <laughs> I have a box that I can do it in if I need to. <laughs> We've he got was an a understudy. man who would kill and kill again. She was a girl with no options. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so this is, I, I, maybe we picked it for this reason, I can't remember, but this is the first Jack Ryan movie based on the first Jack Ryan book and the first book by Tom Clancy, strangely. Oh. Yeah. So apparently Tom Clancy was obsessed with naval history as a child, you know, typical, (laughs) I guess. Um, And when he came of age, he wanted to join the military, but he was rejected. Apparently he had bad eyes, so he didn't make it through, you know, all those various tests. Uh, So he became an insurance agent, but also decided to write a novel in his spare time. A uh, little novel called The Hunt for Red October, which he started writing in 1982 and finished it within about four months. Oof. Apparently he had, he had a lot of God access damn. to uh, some top secret intelligence for research. I'm not sure exactly how that works. but Had a naval intelligence officer tied up in his basement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Anyway, if you want your insurance policy to go down, you're going to tell me everything <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> well, your premium's going sky high, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so he had the guy in the basement and he milked every bit of information out of him. It was so accurate, in fact. I guess he was really, you know, into this stuff. Uh, it was so accurate, in fact, that when he gave it to his publisher, they got him to remove 100 pages of stuff that was just too technical. <laughs> and so he did. We actually need to know how the submarine operates. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you really do. No, we don't. <laughs> it's really neat. Um, and then he sold the book for five grand to um, a publisher. Uh, now, before it was officially published, 
a film producer by the name of Mace Newfeld read uh, the gallery proofs, which I, I think is like before it's officially published, it's, yep. you know, the loose version of the book, uh, in 1985, and he loved it and optioned it immediately. Wow. But his excitement was not matched by broader Hollywood. So even though the book then was released, became a bestseller, no one was really interested. Um, they thought it was too complicated and hard to understand. Um, what and an, Only an idiot would think that, uh, certainly not myself. Um, <laughs> But uh, after shopping it around for a year and a half, he, uh, someone at Paramount actually bought in and were like, all right, let's do this. Uh, and interestingly enough, they also approached the US Navy for approval. They were a little worried, like, are we publicizing too many secrets here or, you know, are we giving away too much? Mm-hmm. And they were like, no, this is awesome. This, this could be our Top Gun. You know, what, what Top Gun did for fighter pilots, this could do for <laughs> the submarine crowd. Yeah. <laughs> and we're so get they a were lot like, of short yeah. people to join the Navy now. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah, they're like, whatever you need, we're in. You do know that that the Pentagon have a department specifically to liaise with films. Yeah. Right? So they the like so all of that footage of helicopters taking off, footage on boats, all of that, that would have been legit. In fact, if you look in the credits, there's one guy like helicopter pilot, uh, Lieutenant Commander William Bradley, and it's got Lieutenant Commander Joe Smith. It's like, hang on, they just gave a guy a uniform with a different name on it and went, fly <laughs> Alec Baldwin and then drop him in the middle of the Atlantic, please. Done. Right? <laughs> so funny. So, yeah, yeah. They, they do loan out a lot of their kit. Yeah, I yeah. didn't know that until we did Top Gun. Top Gun. And it's really fascinating because – uh, especially these days with conspiracy theories and stuff. But, like, yeah. you know, where do you draw the line at what is kind of propaganda versus not? Um, you know, we Greg and I both work in advertising, so you could also look at it as, well, it's kind of branded content or, you know, it, but it is interesting, I guess. Well, a lot of people don't realise Personally, realize I think that, it's, yeah. it's product placement. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. If you, I mean, if you look at something like, like I'll tell you, and my guilty pleasure is one of my favourite films is Battle L.A., Right. Oh my God! I've never even watched that one. Oh Neither. my God! It is so it really? is so bad. It is good, but, but the the combat stuff is fabulous because it's it's a oh. bunch of marines fighting aliens in downtown LA. You know, yeah. you know the aliens, of course, being people that have crossed the border. I don't know. You know, if you want to get ah, the metaphor, of it, it's like not. A good allegory, it's yeah. basically it's based on a, a video game, um, and it's got some of the most hammy marine acting in it yeah, my yeah, god yeah. the combat stuff is amazing because the marines went what do you know yeah here have a whole bunch of ospreys just to take off and land around you and fly but it's great it's a lot of fun just That's because cool. of the military kit in it yeah right i remember when that came out and i remember hearing it was bad so i didn't watch it but you know there's good bad and bad bad and that sounds kind of good bad to me um in terms of cast interestingly enough they actually wanted well, the first first they wanted Kevin Costner, as was the style at the time, but uh, he had to go dance with some wolves. Oh, thank God. Uh, they offered Jack, yeah. Jack Ryan. I yeah, can't he turned ima- it down initially. Jack Ryan. Kevin Costner is Jack Ryan. Oh, yeah. So, that, yeah. so Kevin Costner first and he turned it down because he had to do dances with wolves. But um, then they offered it to Harrison Ford and he passed, but then obviously went on to play him later. So I don't, I don't totally know what happened there. I reckon it would have been a filming thing. It would have been a filming show. You do know that um, Indiana Jones was initially going to be Tom Selleck. Yeah. Right? But he couldn't get out of his contract with Magnum PI. Yeah. Until filming actually wrapped a week before Indiana Jones, was it Raiders of the Lost Ark started filming and thus, you know, history was changed. But It's heartbreaking, right? Because we love love Tom Selleck. We call Tom Selleck the blueprint. The the male blueprint. (laughs) Well, I reckon he's still cut now. 
Yeah. He's, 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 he's an Adonis. <laughs> he's a yeah. man. He's, he's a real a man. man. <laughs> he's a man I'll never be. I feel like he would beat a bear in a fight whilst chopping wood. Where do you think that moustache came from? He ripped it off the bear's lip. <laughs> yeah. I feel like he probably shaves that moustache every morning and then by 8am it just the, the flanders. back out. <laughs> the flanders. What time yeah, am yeah, I filming? Exactly. There it is. <laughs> But yeah, we we did when we did Raiders of the Lost Ark, and we talked about that. Uh, I think we found an interview or something, and he was so sweet about it. He's like, "Yeah, I regret nothing. Magnum was a great show, yada yada yada." But I can't help but just think of that sliding doors moment, you know? Yeah, he looks the part. Like it would have been obviously love Harrison Ford, but yeah, it's one of those ones. Were there alternative casting ideas for um, Marco Ranius, the uh, Connery? Um, Connery's role. I couldn't find any. But apparently Connery... Like a Russian maybe? I think he initially turned it... Yeah, like a Russian. <laughs> Connery's a funny one because I'm, I'm sure we'll get into accents and things, but his voice is so distinct Yep. <laughs> that even if... Not that he does an accent in this one, but I think even if he attempted, like... It's a bit like when Keanu Reeves does an English Dushman accent Dunya. in Dracula and stuff. It just doesn't oh, yes. sound... Parusky. He can't not be... Yeah, exactly. He, he can't not be Sean Connery. No, but that is also one of the distinctive things about stars in Hollywood is you almost always get their voice. They're, mm. they're stars mm. because we want to watch them in a role, that. not watch an actor playing a role. Um, it's like um, Brad Pitt has this incredible thing where he makes a very, very distinct choice for every character. If you watch mm. Ocean's Eleven, he's eating in every eating, scene yeah. except when he's in the heist. That's the ah. only time he's not eating in a scene because he's playing another nervous. role, right? So mm. it's that really weird thing where he makes these really quirky decisions about how he's going to play the role. Um, Connery's voice is distinctive and we like that. We, I mean, that mm. lovely moment where they, they blend it from the Russian while the political officer is reading the Bible, I think, and it goes from Russian to English, which is a beautiful technique. Zoom in yes. on the mouth and that goes to English and then pull back. But, you know, watching... Sean Connery do Russian with a Scottish accent was just <laughs> heaven. It's, it's gold. Okay, with, more, with a, more of that with later. Kiwi. But yeah, but yeah. So we ended up with Sean Connery, Alec Baldwin, James L. Jones, Scott Glenn, who is sort of a fake Lance Hendrickson, in, in my opinion. Um, also, three of those four, not Alec Baldwin, but all the rest, did have military service under their mm-hmm. belt as well. Um, Sam Neill's in the mix. Courtney B. Vance, St- Stellan Skarsgård. I didn't even I didn't even notice to be honest until I was reading about it after. Yeah, and the butler from the nanny was in this, by the way. <laughs> yes, um, David Davis. Was it Davis? David David Davis. Something like that. And he's trying like, to do an American accent. You're just waiting for him to go. You know, Fran. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mr. Sheffield. It took me a while to even clock it. I was like, God, that guy looks so familiar. Yeah. His whole like demeanor is so different. Versatile. Uh, and then it himself, Tim Curry's in the mix as well. Uh, a young Tim Curry. I've never really seen him in such like a low status kind of role. That's interesting. Well, not that young, actually. At that point in his career, he wasn't that young. He'd been around for like, when did Rocky Horror come out? In the oh. 70s, didn't it? Oh, yeah, 70s? of course. Yeah. So he wasn't that maybe very just well. his performance. He yeah. ages very well. Yeah. He cleanses and moisturizes twice yeah. a day at least. <laughs> he must. He must. Great cosmetic discipline. Yeah. Really good yeah, skincare yeah, regimen. Yeah. But who's the girl in it? Who's the one female yeah, who, in yeah. the entire thing? Uh, I don't know. It's Gates McFadden who played Crusher <laughs> in Star Trek Next Generation. And she uh, has an English accent. And it's terrible. 
<laughs> you just see a very briefly at the start where Jack has got to get – he's talking to his daughter and she comes through and goes, you know, straight to bed and no television. Hurry up, Jack. You'll miss the plane. And then she disappears. <laughs> that is the only woman in the entire film. Big moment. Wow. Big moment. Yeah. Okay, so they get all these grade A actors, throw them in a submarine and bish bash bosh, you got yourself a film. Shall we play the trailer? Sure. Oh, Yeah. The most brilliant commander in the Soviet Navy. Remy has trained most of their officer corps. He's nearly a legend in the submarine community. The most deadly submarine ever built. This thing could park a couple of hundred warheads off Washington. Nobody'd know a thing about it until it was all over. And once more, we play our dangerous game with our old adversaries, the American Navy. His plan is a mystery. A man with your responsibilities reading about the end of the world. Apparently he has suffered a kind of nervous breakdown in which he announced his intention to fire his missiles on the United States. He wants to help you hunt him down, kill him. Open the outer doors, firing point procedures. We sail into history. I'm going to blow him right to Mars. Ramius might be trying to defect. You're just an analyst. What can you possibly know what goes on in this mine? I'll give you three days to prove your theory correct. I am not field personnel. I am only an analyst. You're perfect. I'm expendable. He's defecting. You willing to bet your life on that? From the best-selling novel by Tom Clancy. From the director of Die Hard. Give this man a chance. My orders are specific. Battle stations. Sean Connery, Alec Baldwin, James Earl Jones, Scott Glenn, Sam Neill. The Hunt for Red October. How good was that voice? <laughs> it's oh, good. Don LaFontaine. The greatest. The, the absolute greatest. So you, you do voice work as well, right, David? Yeah, yeah, I do lots of voice work. It's tops, eh? It's, it's <laughs> great. I love it. Have you done that for a long time or was that a COVID thing? No, I've done it for years. It was just oh, okay. one of the things. When, one of the things they teach you at ACO is multi-skill. Don't uh, yeah, learn to have a, a broad skill set because you can always utilise them. So when I got into the acting thing, it was like, well, yeah, let's do mime, let's do clowning, let's do, you know, serious theatre, let's do comedy, let's do voiceover. And voiceover's great. It's all care, no responsibility. Yeah. You don't have to think about it till you walk through the door other than, gee, is my throat okay? Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. And I have gone to a voiceover in my pyjamas. I love that. Now we're talking. Yeah. I was really late. <laughs> and I guess you can do it mostly from home now, right? Yeah, well, yeah. I've got the blanket for it, so a lot of yeah. stuff I do is straight out. I, I literally get up. I, I do it in my pyjamas or my underwear. I really like it when I do it in my underwear. Depending on the temp. I mean, I'm yeah. kind of technically in my pyjamas right now. I did wear this to bed, so I guess it counts. Look at us living life, living the dream. It's a stylish bedwear there, Tristan. I, I like the way you match your background. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I think he's done that yeah. for you, Dave. That's not – I never get that. Yeah. yeah no. Thank you for noticing. I was waiting for that. <laughs> I like to Why build a bit of a colour scheme. background. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fair. Actually, you know, funnily enough, we can talk about this a bit more later, but uh, the poster behind me is for Dr. Strangelove and it dawned on me last night that this film is almost like a more serious version of that. Basically. Yeah, I'm also yeah. impressed because I did a play a few years ago where I played Peter Sellers during the filming of Doctor Strangelove. Oh, oh that's wow! Cool. That was freaking insane because you were constantly jumping through not just the voices of Se- you've got Sellers' voice and then um, uh, what is it, Merkin Muffley's voice and 
um, Doctor Strange Love's voice, but the script yeah. sort of had all of his goons characters in it as well. Yeah. So it was like you were jumping through all of these different characters, but then when you know about Peter Sellers, he does that anyway. Yeah. He's kind of insane that way. Because you, so, oh, wait, so you were playing not only the characters that Peter Sellers played playing Peter Sellers. In, the, in Doctor Strange Life, you're playing him himself. So yeah. you out Sellers. Sellers. <laughs> yeah. By one. In a way. And then, yeah. funnily enough, after that, I wound up doing a, what is it? Live readings of the Goon Show dinner theatre up in the Blue Mountains for about a year. Oh wow, it's great fun! Yeah, get up there, be Peter Sellers, go and have a drink, go hunt. Glorious, beautiful. Yeah. Oh, back to the hunt for Red October, guys. Back to the hunt for Red October. Now this one, Greg always does a plot synopsis, but I would argue uh, personally, never more have I needed a plot synopsis so badly just to really <laughs> make sure I understood everything that happened in this film. Uh, so pressure's on, Greg. Well, you've. Have <laughs> I, I oversold what you're about to talk us through? You have. You've come to the <laughs> wrong place. But I'm going to say some words in a row and we'll see what it means. We open on the pride of the Scottish submarine fleet, HMAS Haggis. <laughs> on what seems must be a Five Eyes co-op, we have a Scot and a Kiwi at the helm. They're speaking Russian, so we assume they are undercover, underwater and undercover. But nay, it's a Russian vessel with a Russian crew. We then cut to Stanley Goodspeed, I mean Jack Ryan, a handsome young analyst with a style best described as naval chic, a family man, but he's in the CIA and there's work to be done. There's a new sub in town, a typhoon class with a difference, a silent difference. But what is the Scottish, Lithuanian, Russian admiral up to? Well, when he manages to kill Putin, silly Putin brought a key to a tea fight, (laughs) we know that something is going on. And the rest is pretty hazy, I'm not going to lie. But what... I gathered is there's some robust debate about uh, in the US about what this sub is up to. Uh, it's a classic one guy is right and everyone else is wrong scenario. <laughs> uh, and Jack Ryan saves the day. Through friendship. Through friendship. And fishing. <laughs> and fishing. Oh, <laughs> fishing these waters. Grandfather fishing. Uh, and they um, even risk giving Alec Baldwin a loaded prop pistol in a confined space. Oh, Jesus. Oh, oh, oh my God. Toasty. Oh, man. Is that too soon? I wasn't ready too for soon. that. Too soon. Too soon. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sorry. <laughs> I need another whiskey. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I debated whether that was staying in or not. That's the end. Is of, that the end? Yeah, of course. Oh, okay. <laughs> Man, my, there's not a lot else you can follow after that Alec Baldwin <laughs> yeah. line. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Oh, that, I think oh, he man. heard that. Um, yeah. Ouch. Now, I, <laughs> interesting, I did love the fact that you brought up the point that the political officer on the boat was called Putin because, yeah. as we know, Putin <laughs> was KGB. That's a – but 1990. 
Yeah. So, oh, so maybe at the time. How prescient or prescient was that? It's crazy. Yeah. Only he didn't die in a tea fight. He, he's killing <laughs> other people right now. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe, yeah. maybe tea is the angle we should be considering. Well, yeah. you've got to grab him yep. and slam him. That was a, that was a good kill, i got to say. I, Very nice kill. Wasn't it? Yeah. Discreet. It was brutal. Yep. Precise. Uh, yeah, it showed his commitment to cause. Which is a, a, a th- yeah. the thing that's always big in military movies is how committed are you to this? And when he kills the political officer, despite the fact that we don't know how many spies there are on the boat, um, which is very normal for uh, back in the Soviet days, it was very normal to have your political officer on board and there would have been GRU and KGB operatives on there as well. When, we, when I was working at ASIO, I often got to see the um, visa applications from Russian delegations. And the game we huh. used to play was who's the KGB guy? Right, and you'd always look for somebody who's got sort of like a very sort of blunt forehead and broken nose, and we'd always go, "Yep, right. that's the CIA, that's the KGB guy. He's definitely the the political officer that's in this delegation." Until the Russian rugby team visited, and then it was like, "Jesus, they're all KGB officers because <laughs> wow. they're all these brutal looking men." That's amazing. Maybe they were. Yeah, and it turned out to be the chef after all. Yeah. <laughs> The chef, I mean, when it turned out to be the chef, I was like, what a missed opportunity to have Steven Seagal, you know, show up. <laughs> well, he is very close point. to Putin if you believe what he says. Exactly. Vladimir Putin. And That's his how Russian accent it. is absolutely fabulous, you know. It's, it's just, I'm Russian. I'm Russian. <laughs> Look at me, I'm being Russian. <laughs> his accents are hilarious. Even in real life, he does like... I guess his form of code switching and like depending who he's talking to, he'll like because oh. he's got that show where he's a, it's like cops and it's like sheriff. He's like a sheriff. S- Seagal. And then he talks all. And then he starts kind of African American Southern street. Yeah, slang. it gets weird and uncomfortable. Yeah, he, um, yeah. The accents are terrible. They're a terrible thing to inflict on anybody if they don't know how to actually <laughs> do it. Yeah. Mm. So um, this movie avoids that altogether. Uh, more on that later. But what? Hey, initial thoughts. I watched this for the first time. I'll get to that in a second. Uh, you rewatched it this week, Greg. David, you've seen it a million times. Yeah. Uh, why don't we start with Greg? We'll start with some 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 uh, some fresh eyes. Yeah. Look, um, I started watching it again today, and I was enjoying it more than when I watched it earlier in the week. A uh, bit, bit of context setting. I'm solo parenting this week. Carol's away for the week, and the kids have been sick. So I've had what you could humbly describe as a dis- disrupted week. Yeah. Uh, Greg's and, living his own 1990s movie right now. Yeah, yeah. there's a script in my yeah. week for sure. Um, <laughs> but, I, man, it was it was a bit more heavy lifting than I was in, than I was mentally prepared for. Yeah. How old is your offspring? I've got a six and a four-year-old. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's heavy lifting. I'll, I'll agree with that. They got, the, yeah. they, they got sick and then two days ago they came home with nits for the first time. Oh. <sighs> It's been a it's the worst. Oh, it's been a week. So to try and plug in whilst I'm trying to sort of put the kids to sleep and try and plug into this, it was it wasn't the best viewing circumstance. Mm -hmm. And man, I found Greg's managing expectations. I found it pretty. Greg and I were texting earlier in the week. Guy, David's going to think we're idiots yeah, because yeah, we're, yeah. we both struggled I've to track a little to bit. to understand of this movie. what was happening in the film. No, I can see that. Yeah. For me, what I like about the film is it's a lot of it. I mean, a lot of it's Hollywood. 
You're, you can't yeah. do a film. If you really did a film about spies, it would be 98 minutes of guys looking at pieces of paper and talking over coffee and two minutes yeah. of action being done by somebody that was never introduced in the original plot. Um, what's clever about this is, you know, that whole idea of him flying, you know, he's obviously the CIA liaison to London. The Brits have given him some um, photos. He goes across to America and America go, well, actually there's a lot more to this. The The military stuff is really tight. You know, the sets are too big, but the the set itself, like the, the Red October and the Dallas, those two submarines – they were they were built on gimbals, so they could actually tilt the subs ah. when they had you know when they were going into those dives. They weren't leaning, and the camera tilted. The entire set was tilting while the camera was locked in, Love and they that. also like the the underwater stuff that was all completely new technology because. With Star Wars, mm. they learnt that instead of trying to move the ship past the camera, you move the camera past the ship, put the background in, and it looks like it's moving, right? What right. they did is the submarines were shot in a studio full of smoke to make it look like huh. it was underwater. And again, the cameras passed around and over them and under them and all that sort of stuff. So it was a really, it was, it felt real, which was really nice. Yeah, and the reason the intelligence community were really getting into it was it kind of reflected what it would be like as an analyst. Mm. And then they just chucked him into the field, which is that just doesn't happen. You don't take an analyst and chuck them in the field. They're not equipped for it. Mm. Is that partly why it resonated though? Because it's almost like playing out a fantasy scenario for the analysts out there? Exactly. Yeah. Because we know that if we got into the field, we could do it all. Yes, screw oh, those yeah. guys that know how to do field work. Hands down. <laughs> but no, to me it was it's a great film because, I mean, and okay, you've got, as you said, a Scotsman and a New Zealander running the boat. <laughs> but – um, Sam Neill's accent is bang on point, and when it comes to uh, when it comes to uh, Scottish guy, what's his name? Connery. You think Connery? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're worried that I think you're an idiot. I can't even remember <laughs> his name. Sean Connery. You don't care because it's Sean bloody Connery, and let yeah. him play a Russian captain. He looks that wig is fabulous. It's the best wig he's ever worn. Yeah, it's a good wig. Yeah. He looks like my dad in this movie. And he looks, the beard ma- he is looks quite- majestic. Yeah. Your dad looks majestic looks- though, Tristan. That is right. Yeah. He does look like your dad. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I like his yeah, like he does. <laughs> he does. That little I like his hat, the you know, the the, the little Russian when he fur at the beginning. Hat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Great hat. But ultimately it's it works because it's grounded in in reality there's a lot of reality to yeah. it the stuff about you know the the tactics that they use you know driving in with sonar into a, a waiting wolf pack that would happen you would do that i'm not so sure about the sort of doing speed tests through canyons underwater there was a an incident up in the south china sea recently where an american submarine had to be towed back to pearl harbor because it ran into an underwater mountain That's right it was running oh, silent wow. The, well, the problem is we don't know what's going on on the floor of the ocean and this thing got too deep and didn't realise there was a mountain there because it hadn't been charted and it ran straight into it. How common is, how common is that? It's, it's that whole idea of they had the charts so they could run the canyon but no one else would try it because they don't have those charts. Yeah. Damn. And also James Earl Jones going, and I was never here. I was like, oh, <laughs> how many times have I said that? Mainly to women I the met voice. the night before. Uh, <laughs> and I am not that baby's father. Yeah. <laughs> um, my so my my watch of this film is uh, not dissimilar to yours, Greg. Although very different because I don't have any kids. Uh, 
I'm just Have you had any lice in the an family? An idiot. <laughs> no lice. I have a dog, Excellent. but he was actually very well behaved this week, so I don't know. But yeah, I think um Greg, you did kind of level set me a little bit like this movie is not, you know. Also, we've been we've been doing the most outlandish spy movies. We just did Austin, Austin Powers. Powers. Yeah. So it's quite a yeah. Which is very also, accurate too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I used to dress when I worked in Asia. Um. <laughs> Um, between Austin Powers and watching this as well, I've been watching this movie called RRR. Have you heard that, that one? RRR. It's this Hindi movie um, that blew up last year because it's so amazing and over the top and the opposite of this movie in many ways. Like subtlety is not part of mm. that film. And so my brain wasn't quite primed for like, you know, subtlety, not being spoon-fed themes and things. And I think um, I think it all came together for me once I got to the end. And I guess in the middle, I wasn't sure if I was meant to be confused or if I just wasn't tracking. And I'm still not totally sure. Like, do you guys, were we supposed to know what Connery's plan was other than Jack Ryan suggesting it? Or was that kind of a mystery too? No, you, you, you're pretty, well, I think the suspense, the problem is if you've watched it more than once, that little bit of suspense is blown. But, yeah, you know, you're not going to get Sean Connery and Sam Neill to blow up America. It's just you're not going to get those actors yeah. to play that role. So it kind of That's you knew point. he was on the up and up. I think it was yeah. pretty obvious he was on the up and up. The interesting thing is the sort of like 48-hour or the 24-hour jump you get in the middle of the movie mm. where they go, you know, they've had the little bit where they signal each other with the conning towers, with the periscopes, and then yeah. Twenty four, like suddenly there's the the big leak on the boat, and the boat's got a surface. And by the way, you call submarines boats; you don't call them ships. Oh, um, basically, interesting. The boat has to surface, and the crew have to get off. And you're suddenly going, "Hey, wait, wait, what?" But because of the little mini sub they use as well, it could be deployed. Remember, very start of the movie, his submarine specialist says, "Yeah, it's a special submarine. It can be deployed anywhere on Earth in 24 hours." So it's like, "Oh, cool that we've had a 24 hour jump because this little mini subs come into the picture, uh, right?" So, and again, another great bit of foreshadowing in movie writing yeah. where we go, "Let's create this thing that seems innocuous and stupid, but actually, it's a really important part of the plot." Yeah, yeah, and. It is dense in a good way. Mm. Like it's rich. And and so while my brain was not quite up to speed in tracking it in real time, like I'm watching this thing and I'm like, this is quality. Like I, mm. I understand. I respect this thing. Yes. I'm just a little slow to it's process just that it. It's you're more of a connect four than a chess player. <laughs> yeah, I'm a checkersman. Uh, we are. Absolutely. Or snakes and ladders ooh, but perhaps. Ooh, um, Uno. Hungry, oh, hungry hippos. I'm, I'm yeah. a coit. That's about as far as oh, I go for time. Coit. Coit. <laughs> or does. Um and so I I do Beautiful. think this is a a rewatch. I need to like I need to rewatch it again, I think, because I want to absorb all the text. Like it's it's good, rich stuff. And you touched on something that I didn't pick up on in watching it, but only in, in reading a bit more about it subsequently. But in the in watching it itself, I'm I'm a little like, okay, I get that they're not doing accents and I get you could consider doing accents a little arbitrary or whatever, but in a movie where it's all just white men in uniforms, it would have been handy to to have some accents to differentiate because <laughs> you cut to these different people and it took me a while. I was like, wait, who's on whose side here? And well, I thought that the Russians actually, you know, the the actors playing the Russians covered off the accent quite well. It wasn't perfect, but again, if you had mm. actual perfect Russian accents, it would be pretty difficult to follow. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. 
Uh, and the, the Americans, we knew the Americans and the Americans, they're always going to be the good guys um, until they're not. Yeah. But, yeah, when it came to the performance, I mean, they were really simple in that the Russians, the sailors were very loose and sort of rough and mm. rugged with their striped shirts. Um, the officers were all beautifully crisp with their black uniforms. It was all very dark. Mm. On the American boat, there was a little bit more laissez-faire about it. I love the admiral or the, the captain of the aircraft carrier. That character was like, that felt like a real like captain of the boat or captain of mm. the ship as opposed to the captain of the air wing, which was the butler from um, the nanny, uh, where he was a bit uptight, which, again, you'd sort of expect from an air wing commander. So it was like I just thought that the, the performances worked. really resonated for the positions yeah. they were in. I agree. I think uh, I guess what I'm saying is I just prefer my Russians to be more caricatures. More Russian. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, no, but actually you, you touched on something really smart earlier around the strategic use of language, um, which kind of – was over my head in watching it. But I guess you unconsciously pick it up. But they are speaking Russian initially. Yep. And then there's that transition moment that you you called out where um, the the um, Putin. Putin that he kills is reading a verse from the Bible and the last word in that verse is Armageddon, which is the same in English and Russian. Russian. And there's from that point they're speaking, there's your transition. And um, I was watching this video on YouTube by Patrick Willems. He does awesome videos on, on movies and he was talking about how traditionally movies use subtitles and other languages to create a barrier between the audience and yeah usually the bad guys so it creates a distance a small distance but a distance nonetheless and what this does is it quickly transitions you from the opening of the film where you're like yeah russian's bad mm. to a more empathetic kind of oh we're seeing it from their perspective mm. this is not like russian's bad americans good there's kind of an even playing field there Particularly really cool. when you consider it was made in 1990, so it's post yeah. the fall of the Berlin Wall, but not post the fall of the Soviet Union. So yeah. the Soviet mm. Union, it was, I mean, it set pre-Gorbachev, and Gorbachev was the one who brought the Soviet Union down. But, mm. um, you know, the, but, the Berlin Wall was gone. It's on the edge of that, right? Like it's what is it? Right 90, on the cusp yeah. of the change. Yeah. Right, and the big concern for everyone was, well, which way is Russia going to go now? Because are they going to go yeah. full tilt, fuck the world, or are they going to start being players? And the great thing about Rainius is he becomes that character that, yes, I'm the reasonable voice coming out of Russia and we can all work together and be friends. Yeah, and you feel at the end it is like it's kind of a really sweet movie. Yeah. <laughs> like it's kind of beautiful. Yeah. The, that, the kind of bro moment at the end is like really nice. Significant. Yeah, the fishing it, moment. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. an entire submarine of men were killed. But, you know, hey, shit happens. You know? yeah. And they yeah. weren't. They the main characters nice were Russians. fine. It was, the famous people were called. Come on, Stellan Skarsgård, he deserves to die all the time. Well, He's exactly. Person. He's usually a bad guy. It looked like a tight, it was a tight, uncomfortable-looking sub anyway, right? You run by a tight, uncomfortable <laughs> Do them man. a favour. Who's now become <laughs> the Baron Vladimir Harkonnen in Dune. And, my God, is he good in that. Oh, I mean, yeah. that's oh, another great I'm example s- of this actor that has just built this career out of playing these small characters, just develops these little characters into these, like, forces. They've just, like... They're our favourite actors. Yeah. We love those guys that not, not like, you know, name above the title movie stars, but these, they build these characters, they do really interesting films and choices. Uh, we love those guys. Well, the, the thing about Stellan Skarsgård, he's a, you watch the credits and his name pops up and you go, oh, oh, oh no. This, this film is going to be good. 
He wouldn't be yeah, in it if yeah, it's yeah. not going to be good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's a seal of approval. I had um, I had one small suggestion on the accent thing. I had one mm. small suggestion for McTiernan and Co. Mm-hmm. So what we find in a lot of John claude Van Damme movies is they <laughs> navigate comparison point. They navigate his uh, Belgian accent quite well by giving a two lines arbitrary two lines around why he has he's playing an American with a Belgian accent. They'll yeah. say, "Oh no, you were you were raised in France." Well, my my mother was <laughs> from Brussels. Um, I was I from just, New Orleans. Yeah, correct. Sometimes I feel that at some point. Connery could have said, you know, I, I studied at Aberdeen or something. <laughs> I was such. an exchange officer in Glasgow. <laughs> Correct. Job done. Yeah. But with, a, with Rainius, you don't, you, with, because of the gravitas, as you said, the majesty of his character and the majesty yeah. of his performance, you don't think about it. You just like go, my God. Sean's really nailing this one. And he does. He plays yeah, it beautifully yeah, yeah. right down to the bit where he says the bit in Russian about, you know, you know, you know Bakaru, like this. And Baldwin laughs and Scott Glenn goes, what's so funny? He goes, well, he thinks you're a bit of a cowboy. And it's like, <laughs> and then there's, you know, Paruski. And it's like you get that moment where he goes back into the Russian and then comes back into the English. And mm. it works. Mm. It, it's a really, really beautifully directed film. I think McTiernan really, I mean, it's one of his greats. We love McTiernan. We think Big he time. is such an underrated director because also a lot of his films, I guess, on the surface can be dismissed as, you know, mindless action. But oh, like Predator is, mm. yeah, but Predator's genius and pretty, you know, there's there's some like, subversiveness there that, you know, I, I guess goes unnoticed sometimes. But, you know, there's these big muscle-bound heroes that we all know in the movies always save the day with their big guns. The guns do nothing. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. all these, you know, and then all there's, of course, Die Hard, Die Hard, which takes the shift from traditional action star yeah. to, like, the everyman kind of thing. Like, yeah. he, he has he has these takes that I think are really interesting and then his career kind of fizzled and he ended up in jail, I think. But um, Yeah, that's right. I re- do remember reading something where it, where it got all a bit twisted and sick. Yeah. I don't think Harvey Keitel twisted and sick. I think more – I think it might have been, <laughs> like, monetary fraud or something. Yeah, it was some kind of – some Hollywood-style legal stuff. Dodge. <laughs> yeah. Bit of dodginess. <laughs> That yeah, no doubt he'll be directing the film version of as soon as he gets out of prison. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, unless he's probably dead by now, I'm not sure. But the <laughs> other thing that I really, really like about it is it kind of – I mean, you've got Patriot Games and I strongly advise you to watch it, right? Yeah, yeah. Greg, it's a, such a good film. Mm. Um, and Harrison Ford, it's like – it's. It is Alec. He's an older Alec Baldwin. He's Alec Baldwin ten years later. The kids a bit. Well, the kids not that much older. The wife's a bit more American. It's all kind of settled in. He's got this nice life back at back in the states yeah. when this shit happens. Um, but it you you don't balk when it was Har- Alex Ball Alec, Bal- Alec Baldwin to Harrison Ford. You didn't like go. Oh, I don't see it. You just went. Yep, this works. It just clicks. Yeah. There's something about yeah. it that's very clever. But that also comes down to Clancy. Tom Clancy's writing just carries it. I need to get more Clancy in my life. Clearly. Rainbow Siege 6. Trust me, that's all you need of the Clancy these days. Oh, yeah? Just kill Cookie. Yeah. My, my sons play it. It's just I actually I enjoy just sitting there and watching my kids shoot people in video games. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hobby. It's such, it's such a unique thing, though. You've got this guy that writes these, like, dense political thrillers. Yep. 
and then video games. It's like, no, can I tell you what it is? Cool. It's like we've got this really good shoot 'em up, you know, first person shooter. Yeah, but you know, everyone's got a first person shooter. How do we separate yeah. it? It's called Tom Clancy and see if we can put his name on the top of it. Done. Yeah. And literally that would have been it. They would have rung Tom Clancy and gone, can we park a busload of money on your driveway um, if we yeah. can put your name on the top of our first-person shooter? And Clancy would have gone, yeah, why not? Sure, go for it. Why not? It's pretty genius. Yeah, it is good. It's good marketing, that's for sure. It's Because it's not the name that would appeal to the average gamer, I wouldn't have thought. No. No, but the thing is, the interesting thing about something like Rainbow Six is it's, I know a lot of older guys that play it. It's not just teenagers that play it, mm, kids that play mm, it. I know a yeah. lot of older guys that play it because it's very tactical. There is a lot of, you know, if you've got the headset and you've got the communication going, you've got guys that play as teams. It's a bit like, I think the other one's Counter-Strike. Yeah, what's is the yeah. other yeah. first I've person? Been Tristan? I don't know, good question. Call yeah, of Duty. He, come on. <laughs> Is it? I think Which so. Which one have you been playing? Come on, you know. Have oh, you been playing Call of Duty? Yeah, Call of Duty. Yeah, that Call of Duty. I didn't know you were playing that. Yeah, offline. Oh, nice. Um, How's that going? Yeah, online is oh, too. Yeah. I can't do it. Yeah. Oh, I've got. Everyone's too it's good a at it. Very good game. It's yeah, I've got a kid who plays it online, and like my son plays it online, and it's just like watching him. He's a monster. He's just horrible. <laughs> so you're a terrible person. Just shut up. Shut up, old man. But you know what? Maybe he he's, maybe he'll be a maybe he'll work at ASIO in the future as like that would a, be my would. eldest son. If I was going to if I was going to recommend anyone to work for ASIO out of my family, it would be my eldest son, not my youngest. How old is he? Uh-huh. He's twenty one. Wow! And that was the age I was when I joined. I would not I advise him to join it until he's at least twenty five, twenty six. Just because right. you're older and wiser. You're older and wiser, and you don't wind up being some dickhead like me that worked for ASIO. Um, <laughs> I don't know. That's a pretty good case yeah, study. Yeah. I'd say. yeah, I've met up with a lot of – there's a, a little society of former intelligence officers. We have regular lunches. And every time I walk in there, I'm just waiting for someone to turn around and go, you, you were a dickhead then and you're a dickhead now. And then part of me goes, <laughs> you know what? If they remembered that I was a dickhead then, that's a badge of honour. So yeah. what do you do? Well, you're still getting invited to the lunches. So yeah. I reckon there's a few dickheads that are. <laughs> I think they're waiting yeah. to get invited onto the podcast. I really want to tell people stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a good point. We've had that's one a good on. Point. We've had one ex-officer <laughs> on. Yeah. Do you get him? Did he get a couple of drinks into them? What's it? No, 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 no. He's an old mate. Very, very, very skilled intelligence officer. Um, yeah, lovely bloke. I just had one question. I rang him about, and he went, oh, "Look, if you're going to talk to anyone, you really should talk to me." And I went, "You want to come in?" He went, "Yeah, sure, fine, why not?" So we just didn't tell anyone who he was. Oh, okay. And then he logged into everyone's computers, stole our personal data, and now we're all broke. Bastard. (laughs) Started again. (laughs) Why do you keep doing this to me? Um, Double crossing and espionage. Yeah, it's damn spies. Look, I remember doing an interview with George Negus once, and I said, you know, it's very rare that ASIO officers will do this. And he looked at me and went, Every ASIO officer I've ever met has said, I work for ASIO, by the way. I went, seriously? He went, yeah, I don't know what it is. You guys really like telling stories. So, yeah, and there we go. Going back to your uh, question earlier on, is there any crossover of skill sets? The ability to lie and tell stories, very, very popular in both ASIO and acting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell well, the truth. Well, you kind of have to, right? Because yeah. you've got well, to lie. Well, I guess, well, this is the thing. We have so many questions around spy life. And the good thing is you'll be back next week unless we've turned you off and we can ask many, many questions. But um, you know what actually might be a good 
framing for for spy questions for you is as we go through the spy tropes which we do for every spy movie yes um this movie is a bit of a, an outlier relative to the other spy films we've done and maybe doesn't hit all the tropes but it definitely hits some but as we go through them maybe we can uh compare to real life yeah to what definitely extent, love you to. know do these to these, these, yeah. these tropes translate um all right so our first one cars and watches uh Notably absent in this film, or maybe watches. There is one but, you watch. know, we've got submarines. The there is the stopwatch that the navigator uses when they're doing the um, run through the canyon. Right. He has a stopwatch. And by the way, Top Gun 2, I want the IWC stopwatch that they use in that. And mm. I went to oh, price it. Yeah. yeah. $10,000. Oh, yeah. Damn it. That stopwatch stop will cost you ten grand. And I need Damn. it because I use a stopwatch in my real life. <laughs> but, yeah, that, there is a watch. It's a stopwatch. That's the only watch you really see in the entire film. Is the Panerai the, the Italian submariner's watch? Is that, was that, that watch's origin? There's a popular, popular watch brand, Panerai. They make an Italian watch. and I, It's an Italian brand and I'm pretty sure their, their history is uh, they were the Italian submarine or submariner's fleet got them. I think that was their... Kind of origin story. It could be wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no, I couldn't. I would not be able to tell you whether that was the place from it. But everyone makes a diving watch. Seiko make them. Omega yeah. make them. Citizen make them. I've got half yeah. of them. Um, Seiko makes <laughs> a beautiful diving watch. Fantastic watch. Mm. It was the watch I had when I was at ASIO. It was the um, self-winding, the automatic. Oh, nice. Not that I did any diving. I wasn't allowed to because I'm asthmatic. Oh. Me too. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so, well, okay. So, real life spying, cars and watches are they are they a big part of the lifestyle, or is that just a movie thing? Here's the interesting thing, um, and I, I used to talk about it when I did the one man show about ASIO. Um, and essentially, you know, you're not going to drive around in a Alfa Romeo or a, a Lamborghini. My favorite was the Lotus Esprit turbo which converted into a submarine yeah. right you're yeah. not going to drive one of those because it's too freaking obvious yeah we, yeah, we know what cars right i'm going to remember camry. that guy yeah so that is what i drove was a camry well actually a nissan skyline to begin with oh whenever i needed oh, to drive yeah. nice. it was a, a nice six-cylinder nissan skyline so it had a lot of grunt i've got the speed record for, yeah. the, for king's avenue bridge in canberra i got to 172 kilometers an hour coming off the bridge because I had to deliver Damn. something to the Canadian embassy five minutes ago. Literally, I was given a briefcase and told, get to the um, Canadian High Commission. This needed to be there five minutes ago. Just go. 170. Whoa. Two kilometres an hour. That's, that's especially when everyone else is going like 60. Uh, in Canberra, there's no one on the roads, mate. It was easy. It was like driving <laughs> out on a race. So you got those roundabouts. Lots of roundabouts, yeah. But yeah, um, I think the – Nicest car anyone drove. One of the surveillance girls in Sydney used an MR2, which is one of those little mid-engine I remember sort the, of uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. pocket rockets. Uh, because in Sydney, mm. that would be um, a lot. It's the kind of car that you wouldn't pay any attention to. It's not a, a Porsche or a Lamborghini um, or you know any high-end car. It's not an Aston Martin, but it's the sort of car that you'd see and not think about twice. It's still a nice car, yeah. but it's not a luxury car. So that's car spies. Uh, was it cars and watches? Nice. All right. Exotic locations. Now, I guess you could argue this film is pretty exotic. We're out in the in the ocean. Come on, how sexy under- are the Grand Banks? <laughs> yeah. yeah. How sexy is the Laurentian <laughs> Abyss? How <laughs> sexy is coming out of an inlet into the Arctic Ocean 
on a big black phallic symbol. How sexy is that? The sexiest, most <laughs> exotic right. locations, like a river in the middle of nowhere <laughs> in Grandfather took you fishing. Yeah, that island over there. A, Ooh, yeah, I'm getting all sweaty. A whole bunch of men. What are, what are the odds? Yeah. I think he planned it. I think that was something. That <laughs> I think Jack Ryan went, I'm going to take him to the island that my – because he would have done his research and he would have known that Rainius liked to fish. So he goes, oh, by the way, I used to fish over there. Date. So, you know, yeah. that was about as sexy as the whole thing got, I think. Did you did uh, your spy career take you to any exotic locations beyond Canberra, of course? Uh, yeah. Um, uh, one of the really exotic locations was a um, military mess. I went on, I was actually military training that I went on. Um, they, I said to the training department, Oi, I haven't done any training lately. I need to do some training. And they went, Oh, yeah, we've got this thing um, that Department of Defense do called Code of Conduct. Would you like to do it? And I went, Sure. It's basically what you have. It's, it's a course to teach you what to do if you get captured. Um, oh, and basically, it's I was not eating a little in, pill, is it? No, no, no. It's no, it's not that. It's like what it, what you're gonna, what it's going to be like if you get caught, um, if you get captured. Oh, and it was wow. like I think they did sleep. They they played the sleep deprivation card with me, and oh. I think I was awake for about sixty two hours. Um, not that oh. was about as exotic. Like man, there was shit coming out of the walls. So let me tell you, it was exotic, but it was just a box. Wow, <laughs> sixty two <laughs> yeah. hours without sleep, and you just start hallucinating. And you're just hallucinating. You do. After 40 hours, you'll hallucinate. Wow. After 24 hours, you're or if you stay up for 24 hours, because it was interesting, I spent a lot of time with the psychologists for critical stress debriefing. The other one was the hijack exercise that I went on when I got pistol whipped. I spent a lot of time with the psychologists today, because they just went, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> Sit down, we'll talk you down. Um, but essentially, no, the most exotic location I went to was Canberra. Really? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's pretty exotic. Fireworks. Yeah, nation's capital. Lots of sexy. Questacon. Yeah. Questacon. All of those diplomatic missions. Ah, yeah. Assume the position. Yeah. The mission area <laughs> position. Oh, dear. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> is that your band's or is that theirs? No, I, I just made it up and I'm kind of it's terrified. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could have gone either way. Yeah. I dig it. Um, high stakes gambling, you know, that's it's big in the Bonds and even the Austin Powers of the world, less so in this one. Although I guess you could say we're gambling. Great, this whole thing know. is a gamble. Well, as Scott Glenn said, the secret of chicken is knowing when to blink or to flinch. That's a high stakes that gamble. That was your right high there, stakes right. gamble. The two high stakes gamble yeah. were turning into the path of the torpedo Smart. and then going playing chicken with the Akula class submarine. That would be my moments of high stakes gambling. At ASIO, yeah. no, Great actually, answer. gambling's not a good thing to do. Yeah. Right? One of the things that comes up when you do your regular, um, it's called uh, house security, right? Basically, internal security, every couple of years, they'll interview you. They'll put you through the same interview they put you through when you've joined. Right. You know, what are your financials like? Are you drinking too much? Are you drinking too little? How's your love life? Are you, is your marriage okay? Are you gambling? Do you have any financial problems? Mm. Gambling leads to financial problems. I didn't know a lot of gamblers in there. I knew one guy that was really into weird animal porn, like cartoon, oh, like that weird Japanese hentai kind of. Oh. He'd always come in and go, oh, check this out. But the guy was also an absolutely brilliant <laughs> analyst. And you know what? Wow. The way you get your rocks off, no one cares. Just be 
be honest to the organisation about it. It's called, yeah. you know, if you turn around and tell the organisation, look, I'm gay, they're not going to go, you can't work here. That was the big problem with MI6 through the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s and into the 70s was if you were gay, you couldn't work there. So if you worked there and you were gay. Is that the Tinker Taylor? Yeah, the Tinker Taylor soldier spy. Well, the um, Cambridge Five. Those guys were, um, a, a couple of them were homosexuals and because of that, they couldn't talk about it. And as soon as the opposition finds out, you're compromised because we'll tell your boss that you're gay. And as soon as that happens, you can't be trusted because you didn't tell us. So no one really cared yeah. about your sexuality at Asia. Yeah. Um, if you drank too much, that's, that's a problem because it's a lack of control. But your yeah. sexuality yeah. isn't a lack of control. That's just your sexuality. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Unless, yeah. of course, it Unless was it's a secret. you're doing stuff that was putting you in a compromisable position. Yeah. You know, if you're having an affair, don't tell your wife, but please tell us would be the, the kind right. of answer. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about James Bond and, you know, he gets around. Interesting. Yeah. Um, one, film that, uh, one thing this film definitely has is Russians. Oh yeah. So we got that we got that trope checked off. Well, did, you, did you have actually, much? They've got Scotsmen and New Zealanders <laughs> yeah. pretending to be Russians. What's that? About? <laughs> and, a, and a Swede. I mean they're drinking the tea and everything. And a Swede, yeah. yeah, yeah. The bad Russians, the Swede. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> uh, did you have much kind of Russian action happening in your career? Um, at one point I was living in the static watch post behind the Russian embassy or the Soviet embassy in Canberra. So a static watch post is surveillance that just sits and looks at one location. And because it was such a big embassy, um, we had a static watch post out uh, across the road on National Avenue. It's a very famous one now. Everyone knows about it. Um, but there was also one on the back gate and it was a little two-bedroom apartment and I'd needed somewhere to live. And I just sort of, I was talking to somebody in the building. They said, look, there's a spare room at static watch. Why don't you go and check with them? So I had a chat to them. They went, sure, you can stay here. And uh, the weird thing was I remember sort of saying to the organisation, look, I'm, I'm going out with this girl. She wants to come over. And they went, yeah, that's fine. Just don't tell her what's going on. She walks in and the room that looked out over the gate had massive security locks on it. <laughs> and anyway, this guy walks in and sees me with my girlfriend. He's been brief, but he still goes, oh, oh good day. And I went, oh, this is Terry. And the girlfriend goes, oh, hello. And he goes, unlocks the door. And goes in and the girlfriend go, turned around to me and went, gee, he's a bit paranoid. And I went, oh, yeah, you know, weird guy, don't worry about it. <laughs> and then five minutes later, the guy who was in the room comes out and I suddenly realised, oh, shit, what am I going to do? And I went, oh, you're going back out, Terry? And he went, yeah, 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 looking at my girlfriend. And he's sort of looking at her with this weird look and she's like, who's that? And I went, that was Terry. No, Terry was the guy who came in. Yeah, that's him. And I basically gaslit her going, it was the oh. same guy. And that was when I went, I can't live here anymore because it's doing my noggin in. And we all, a lot of yeah. us lived in different static watch posts. There was one which was a five-bedroom house in Yarralumla, but only one little corner of the house was needed. So we all lived in it. But um, actual contact with Russians, the only one was when I met the Russian ambassador at an opening of um, Chekhov's The Cherry Orchard. Oh. And I had to stop ah. giggling because I just like went, ha, 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 I know everything about you. But he looked at me like going, and I know everything about you. I had more contact with the CIA. <laughs> wow. Okay, babes and misogyny. So maybe not so much babes in this film, although, you know, Alec Baldwin. Well, the misogyny is there are no women in it. 
All right, that, that's yeah, really that's the misogyny of this point. film. Is it is a mm. very, very, very testosterone-heavy movie. But then again, submarines mm. would be a really testosterone-heavy environment, and they would st- yeah. they do they stink. Like, <laughs> come on, Some, months of farts than, I guess, and yeah. bad breath and sweat. It would just it's better be that they're horrendous. not there. They would yeah. choose to be there. They wouldn't want. They wouldn't like it. They'd literally walk around covered in air fresheners. Um, it's just a poor. Wow. But. Um, <laughs> Imagine, huh? The thing about babes in the real world is, yes, there are oh, honeypots. Is that the the thing? Like to you know, I guess if they're a babe, they can get information out of people. Well, there or is the. Is I mean, that? the Russians. Well, the East Germans used to use. They called them. Um, oh, red sparrows. Or yeah, sparrows or robins uh, and ravens yeah. or Romeos. And it was actually men. They were usually men more than they were women because they were finding ah. these, you know, single women that were working in embassies in West Berlin and, you know, this swarthy, cool European guy came onto them and made them feel good and started getting information and secrets out of them. Um, for me at ASIO, huh. there were a lot of really, really sexy women working at ASIO. The problem was none of them would sleep with me. Um ah. Oh, come on. It's just this goofy guy dressed like Austin Powers. It's like, dude, settle down. Yeah, you're, that you're works. Probably, with that jacket, you're probably gay and you're wearing ruffles. Um, no, there was I, – I did have one fling with the – I didn't realise it. I was sleeping with the personal assistant of the CIA station chief in Canberra. Oh. Nice. I met her when I delivered something to the embassy. I was at the US embassy, met her. She said, oh, we're going out for drinks tonight. Do you want to come with? And I went, yeah, why not? I was single at the time. Um, and then, you know, we would ring each other regularly until she said, do you want wow. to come over to my boss's place? He's away for the week. And I went, oh, okay, that's nice. He was. It was this massive house about two doors down from the lodge in Canberra. Mm. And I walked in there. There's a photo of her boss shaking hands with Ronald Reagan um, <laughs> the Marines showed up because there are Marines at the embassy. They all showed up and said, oh, we're getting into the hot tub later. And I thought, oh, this is pretty interesting. And then oh. we were going hmm. to bed. She said, you're going to stay tonight? And I went, yeah, hell yeah, I'm not going anywhere. And I walked out of the bathroom and she was sitting on the edge of her boss's bed holding a th- chrome 38 snub nose revolver with mother of pearl um, hand grips. Oh, And I just oh, went, oh, oh, oh. what? And she went, I just found it in my boss's bedside table and I walked around the bed and opened a drawer and there was an exact copy of the same gun in the other one and that just made my the bell went off going yeah you shouldn't be in this room right whatever's going on you should not be here and I said look I'm really sorry I've just realized I've got to get up early and clean my angle irons or whatever it was I said (laughs) I went straight to work when you make contact with a diplomat anybody from a foreign mission you have to report it to the organisation. So the next day I was in an oh. internal uh, security going, um, I think I'm sleeping with somebody from the US Embassy that I shouldn't. They basically said, yeah, she's the CIA station chief's assistant. I went, cool, I'm going to break it off. And they went, no, no, <laughs> you, you keep right on going. We could use this. Uh- <laughs> and then about... A month later, I was invited to the 4th of July celebration. I thought it was by her, but when I arrived, she's like, what are you doing here? Ah. And I went, I thought you invited me. She went, no. And that's when her boss walked up and went, come with me. And it was like, Mr. Cullen. You know who I am? <laughs> and I went, yeah. And he went, because I know who you are and you aren't 
coming to my house anymore and you're not talking to her anymore. And it was like, yes, Whoa. I got out of that relationship. She, yeah. was a bit, she was very needy. Oh, wow. Imagine if like there's, yeah, there's some benefits here. Yeah, but That's none fascinating. She was, she didn't pillow talk with me. So that, yeah, there is, look, sex, sex is involved in everything. It's a beautiful tool for compromise. It really, you can really compromise people with sex. Um, but it's not, huh. you put it this way. Especially with STDs. Yeah. And also yeah. the training. My God, I did my back so many times. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Double Crossing, I guess this whole film is uh, centred around some level of double crossing in that he's defecting yeah, from Yeah, defection Russia, is a I double suppose. cross, but also double cross yeah. on Putin, come in for a cup of tea and a broken oh, neck. Oh, yeah. That was a massive double. Like uh, that moment was a big one, though. Also, what a quick way to eliminate somebody. Like that guy, mm, he had one yeah. scene. I mean, he mm. went on to work for MI5 in Spooks. Um, he played Harry in oh, Spooks. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ah. Um, but the double cross. Double cross. Really, the double cross was what he did to the crew when he turned around and went, yeah, yeah. we flooded the boats, now radioactive. And also the fact that Tim Curry was the patsy. He wound up being the patsy that had to would go back to Russia and report that uh, it was destroyed with everybody on, you know, with um, all the officers on board. So I think that, yeah, when double, the double cross was the fact that he was defecting what he did with the crew and leaving Tim Curry yeah. to carry the can. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Tim. Yeah. I mean, Tim's done enough to others in other movies. Oh, so. God, yeah. <laughs> he had it coming. Yeah. yeah. You know, the Lost City of Zinge, <laughs> Congo. He was playing everyone. Yeah, he was. It's all over that sesame cake too. Hey, Putin, do you want a balloon? Um, that would have been fun to see. <laughs> As he's putting him in the body bag. You want a balloon, oh, 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 that's a scary <laughs> You'll thought. You'll float too. Being yeah. on a submarine with it. Oh, yeah. Not a lot of places to hide. No. Everything floats down there. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, the fun one, Chekhov's gadget. Is there a gadget that shows up early in the film that pays off later? Yes. I guess it's the sub itself, like the the technology of the sub. But, but the little yes. sub, that's the that's the one that, hey, check out this cool thing and it can dock with anything. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Thanks very much. But by the way, can we get back to why I'm here pointing to photograph? So we all go, oh, little sub, how neat. Anyway, moving on. Um, and then suddenly it comes back yeah. and saves the day. That's so interesting. Like at, at a glance, I'm thinking, yeah, actually this movie doesn't do any tropes. And then as we talk about it, it pretty much is kind of doing most it's of them. It's got the tropes, in a, in it's a, just it's hidden them. Different way. Yeah. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're not they're less tropey. They don't feel tropey. They're more just they're more ingrained in a real That's when you know it's a good a trope. Yeah. And it's <laughs> also a good, it's a good a trope. A trope. But, but also <laughs> it's a very submarine trope in that they fly under the radar undetected until they pop up and you go, Oh my god, where did that trope uh, come yeah. from? <laughs> like, come, like on, my, my, come on, big trope. My trope fly. dar was it was it was yeah, not picking it up. I mean, I'm sure we're gonna have a very different trope conversation next week when we do Mission Impossible. Oh, but, I um, am waiting to tear into that piece <laughs> of meat. It's gonna go down like ribs and brisket. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, should we get into the verdict? The final verdict on this film. Let's get into the verdict. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Ah! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor, 
And that's all I have to say about that. All right, verdict. So uh, for me, yeah, despite my intellectual challenges, um, I enjoyed this film. You know, once, once I could reflect on it holistically, I'm like, that was good. I was confused for a while, but I don't mind being confused sometimes. You know, it means you've got to think. But um, And I think I'll rewatch it too, so I, I guess I'll definitely categorise it as a rewatch. How about you guys? I'll rewatch. You'll re- I, for me, if I turn on the TV and it's on, then I'm not changing the channel. Yeah, you're Unless in. it's a yeah. really good football game somewhere else. And generally it's the kind of film that will follow a football game, right? The, yeah. That lovely little trick they do, you watch the football and they throw something like Die Hard or Predator or Battle LA. You have to watch it. Right? <laughs> are um, you they throw uh, AFL or NRL? I'm more of an NRL guy at the moment. I kind of used yeah. to watch – the problem with AFL is it's not a good television game in my view. Have you got a, have you got a team? No. I'm, I've never been tribal enough to follow any team. I, I know the teams I don't like. Like I don't like Collingwood because the Deputy Director General, when I worked for ASIO, my last few years at ASIO, the Deputy Director General and I did not like each other. Um, and he used to ritually humiliate me in front of the entire staff during like oh. big meetings and I would ritually rip into Collingwood whenever I could in front of the entire staff. So, yeah, um, Collingwood and um, the Panthers and Manly. Screw those guys. Um, yeah. <laughs> support all three of your Do comments. You? Oh, thank God. Of your I comments. No, I support all yeah. three of those teams. <laughs> of, you, of your comments. <laughs> it's getting late, isn't it? I like it? the idea of not having a team but just having some enemies. It keeps it spicy. I just like, like watching yeah. really well-paid people run headlong into each other. It's To me, it's, <laughs> it's just glorious. And in the summer months, it's cricket and American football, mm. which is, God, if you if you really want to be confused, watch a game of America. It's shorter than any game we oh, play. It took me a while. And takes yeah. two, three hours. Yeah. That's more beer time though, isn't it? It is. Good point. Yeah, that's true. Good point. That's so, true. yes, definitely <laughs> to me it's one of the finer of the, well, see, the interesting thing people call it, it's not a war movie. It's kind of a spy movie. It's definitely a spy movie because so it's got a CIA analyst in it, but it's also, Mm. it's a a political drama, a political thriller as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Is there, and there's nothing really, you know, especially the earlier we go, this is 1990, there's nothing really that doesn't hold up today. Like usually, I mean, it's all men, but you like to your point, it probably would have been all men. Um, Like there's nothing, if it was made today, there would be some differences that probably it'd probably be less subtle and Jack Ryan would be more jacked, but everything in it holds up. Like there's nothing in here where you go, well, that's outdated or that's like a silly nineties trope or something. There like, is pretty- one thing that doesn't hold up. Oh yeah. yeah which is the magneto hydro, hydro, the magneto hydrodynamic drive, because that was oh. actually a thing they were researching at the time. Is that the bit they made up? No, no, no. It's not made up. It works. It really works. You can do it. But it doesn't work the way they put it in the film. It's really, Uh, really inefficient. It's an incredibly inefficient way of um, moving a sub. And particularly because salt water doesn't conduct electricity very well. So you can do it, but it wouldn't be a powerful engine. You wouldn't be pushing a boat at 20 knots. Uh, particularly a boat that size, because those boomers, they're carrying 20 um, ICBMs on them. They're they're very big, very heavy ships. Mm. Uh, boats, sorry. Right. So, yeah, the that is the one thing that doesn't stand up. What it would be now would be hydroplaning and um, anti-capitation 
propellers. The propellers are the things that are the most important thing on a boat these days because you've got it's huh. all about cavitation. Um, as water spins, um, you get pressure differentiation, which creates pockets because if you put – you reduce the pressure of water, it turns into steam and then explodes. And those little explosions, one, damage the propeller, but also those tiny little pops give off a signal. So the yeah. the technology now is all in the um, geometry of the ship and the geometry of the um, the screws, the propellers. Reducing so we would have a really cool propeller now yeah, or a jet engine. They'd come up. They'd probably do something with them. Probably you'd look at doing something using quantum physics and a fusion reactor. Nice. It's just technology. The, the great thing is it's that beautiful technology that sounds good but doesn't work, right? It's perfect for this movie, which is, again, why it works. Yeah. I can't wait to have this same conversation next week around the masks and things oh, used. I feel like we'll have more to <laughs> contribute. <laughs> Oh, yeah, exactly. don't worry. Yeah. You're just going to have me <laughs> screaming, going, that's, 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 that's like that. Um, that and, and we'll be like, yeah, but it looks pretty cool. <laughs> it's the perfect balance, isn't it, these two? Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's such a – All the opposites. It was a little bit accidental because this, the last episode is a is a, a listener's vote. So we put up a yeah. – um, how many? Two, four, six, eight, eight – We put out eight other options spy films and they voted for Mission Impossible. And Mission Impossible 1. So it's it's by it's by chance that we've got these two perfect contrasts um, to have you along with us, Dave. It's, it's Well, I was really perfect. surprised when you originally contacted me and I saw the two movies and first I saw Red, Hunt for Red October and went, oh, yeah, that's oh, – yeah. And then you went Mission Impossible and like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> you saw Red October and you're like, this sounds like a really classy highbrow pod. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then you went oh. Mission Impossible and went, oh, these idiots. <laughs> I wonder if they've got anyone with a deep voice. And you do. So you're not that dumb. You've got someone who can talk like this. Yeah. But look, that's the thing that uh, – yeah, next week is – I'm really actually looking forward to it. I've just got to watch – I've got to get through Mission Impossible again because I start watching yeah. it and then something happens and I'm just like, just shut up. No. <laughs> just no. <laughs> I get that even with movies where it's set in like an advertising agency because even – I mean it's obviously a less – interesting thing but I can relate a little I'm just like that's not how that works you can't it takes you out of the film because you just like can't help but yeah. poke holes yeah, yeah. yeah. every time you watch something yeah. that you're familiar with you go and like James Bond one of the things when I first did I Spied as a stage show it was all about going it being a spy is not James Bond we wish it was <laughs> James Bond we really really yeah. do but it just isn't because James Bond yeah. is loud and James Bond is garish and James Bond is cool. And I'm sorry, spies aren't. They're, they're, they're not yeah. loud. They're not garish. They're actually, I think they're, I think they're really cool. But um, they're cool the way a, a really cool accountant is cool. Like a, ner- I mean. a nerdy cool. Yeah, okay. Yeah, nerdy cool, right? Uh, they're incredibly, they're fiercely intelligent. Um, they're really good at strategizing and all that sort of stuff. But the bottom line is... It's not James Bond, and that's what's really frustrating. Yeah, about yeah. It, to me, anyway. Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, with that, I guess we're wrapped for this episode. Um, one more episode to go. Mission Impossible. It's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be good. There's gonna be some tension in that episode, which is always fun. I'm just gonna take well, my mask off. Not that I'm a huge defender through. of Mission Impossible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now we're talking. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's Putin. I'd have gotten away with it if it was for you kids. <laughs> <laughs> and then the old mask under the mask. Oh yeah, I've just got that. Is basically very sweaty. It's terrible. All that mask wearing, inspiring, terrible for your skin. Oh uh, yeah, I don't know how oh, time does. Imagine. 
Oh, well, he must have. He must be diligent. Yeah. Friends of the show listening at home, if, if they need more David Callan action, they've got the I Spied podcast. Any, anywhere else you want to point to for, for people to come find no, you? No, that's really all I'm doing at the moment. I'm I, The weird yep. thing is it's uh, when I went to podcasting, I went, oh, yeah, go and sit in a box, talk for half an hour. That'll be fine. No, yeah. no, 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 no. There's so much bloody research because there's, you know, there are Americans photocopying secrets and putting them on Discord and there are Australians talking to Chinese yeah, right. spies and it's like, yeah, every week it's something new. Well, it definitely comes across um, as well research. It's, it's, there's tons of info it's, and it's very interesting to digest as well. So you, the show's awesome. Totally recommend checking it out, guys. Thank you very much. And I think as you've probably heard, friends of the show, David's great at like taking these complex yeah. concepts and yeah. making them understandable to idiots <laughs> like us. We so won't say dumbing a- it down. We won't say dumbing it down. <laughs> no. No, just humanizing it. It's yeah. a great skill, yeah. right? ID intelligence. Um, so you idiots at home can listen too. Yeah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> well, I should write that down actually. <laughs> yeah. All right, friends of the show, thanks for joining us. We'll uh, we'll be in your ear holes again this time next week. Good evening. Bye. Good morning. Jeez. <laughs>